0: Hey, this is your host Brian Wayne here, and uh, I'm here to let you know, in case you did not know already, uh, that the Cheers to Comics podcast has since evolved. And uh, if you're looking for a new shiny place to get your comic books from, then you need to head on over to Shop cheers to It's like cheers to only with a shop in front of it. Uh, shop cheers to and if you use code PODCAST at checkout, you're going to save yourself 10%, and I'm constantly adding new inventory, hot spec books, uh, everything, everything, any, any type of book under the sun. Is it a uh, As it it comes under my radar and it gets added into the inventory, I I make it available to you. So remember, head on over to to ShopCheersToComics.com and use code PODCAST at checkout and save yourself 10%? A pre-roll time. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly sponsored by Inked Marketing Solutions, and the Inked Marketing crowdfunded comic for this episode. Well, it's gonna belong to the Last Night of TwiNight. coming soon from the producer of Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Batman Beyond, Static Shock, and the new Batman Superman Adventures. Yes, the man is uh, a legend in animation. Pinky and the Brain, sold right there. The Last Night of TwiNight. What happens when you're broke, but your endless war against crime isn't over. The Last Night at TwiNight is a story about an everyday superhero. He has no powers. He has no thirst for justice. But now his body is starting to betray him. But he just can't stop. (sighs) Even a personal injury suit and losing all of his cool stuff won't stop him. His sidekick turning bad? That ain't gonna stop him. His former adversaries returning... Or retiring, I'm not returning. Retiring. Not going to stop him. But age, age is a son of a bitch. Age is gonna uh, might stop him. It might. I don't know. Uh, we have a comic book here, people. Uh, like I said, it, it, the, the 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 team behind this. Mm, mm, I can't wait to see. Oh, I'm looking at this cover here, man. You got this this pretty dark hooded looking figure, and you got like an, a like a walker, like an old man walker, not a walker Texas Ranger, like a like a. Like a tennis ball on the feet type of walker. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, I'm into it. So uh, head on over to www.twynight.com. That's T-W-I-K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. And uh, get in on this, man. I got a good feeling. And like I said, pinky in the brain. Come on. Come on.
1: Age of Radio.
0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Church to Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 360. The 360th episode of the Church to Comics Podcast will be a creator corner. Yes, another creator corner, because that's how I'm doing it for you this week. Just bonus and bonus and bonus. Well, the creator that I cornered on this episode, he a legend. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't, well, this is a big deal. This is what it is for me, at least, um... Uh, David Barron, the man has been coloring our funny books for uh, over a quarter of a century. Um, well over a quarter of a century, and he a young man, too. Um, so, yeah, no, the man, he, he's, he's an absolute monster in the industry. He has since taking on uh, the uh, the act of writing, and now he's got a Kickstarter that you need to check out. And it is not in the vein of his normal books. Um, it's more of an all-ages read. So if you're a parent, this is this is a must must back book, and that is Cobblestone Chronicles: Michael versus the Babysitters. And I, mm, we're gonna get all up into this book. We're gonna talk an a major and a major, <laughs> an amazing origin story that David Barron has. Uh, it's the 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 dude is an inspiration to. Ah, uh, so many, and um even more so me now, so, yeah, I can't wait for you to check this out, but before you do, before we dive up all up into it, I have to shout out and not by any type of obligation because I want to. I want to shout out the newest affiliate of the Cheers to Comics podcast, Nerds Forever. And yes, I have my own comic book store now. Um, I, I'm a retailer myself. But here's the deal: um, Nerds Forever is so good. I still kept them on as a sponsor, baby. It's it's just that kind of customer service. I'm gonna keep learning how to how to have that type of customer service with my people. You know, it's a it's a staple, and that's that's really what it came down to. Um, so head on over to three zero seven. Nerdsforever.com three o seven nerds the number four ever.com and when you're checking out all your amazing goodies that you're paying way less for than eBay prices oh yeah it's like that people um use code Cheers at checkout and save an additional ten percent so three o seven nerdsforever.com Cheers at checkout and uh, save that money hmm hmm uh, gotta love some nerds forever baby. Alright, now, with no further ado, I bring to you, ah, possibly, or definitely one of my favorite conversations of the entire year, possibly an all-time favorite, though. Ah, David Barron. Alright, David, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? I am... I'm excellent. Um, I was just kind of talking to you in the green room a little bit. Uh, my uh, good friend of the show, Rylan Grant, hooked us up. And the fact that, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a podcast for those people listening on Spotify and iTunes. They can't see But if they were to look at the wall behind me right now, um, it is loaded with your work. So um, I, I've been a fan for as long as I've been in comics. And uh, it's awesome to have you on board, man. So welcome.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: For sure. For sure. I know you. Uh, you've got cool stuff in the in the in the works right now that we're going to talk about we got a cobblestone chronicles and i want to make sure i get the the entire name right here michael versus the babysitters is that right that's right that's the new book awesome man so that's on kickstarter now as we speak and um you 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 have i mean you you're you're funded you're you're good to go At, at this point on it's just on to stretch goals and stuff i would imagine right
1: yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all gravy at this point. I mean, uh, we're, Elise and I, this is our first uh, Kickstarter that we've ever done. And uh, so we had no idea what to expect. Uh, you mentioned Ryland. He was a huge help to uh, figure out, you know, the, the whole system of what to do. And uh, he looked at it way before I launched just to make yeah. sure I was on the right page. Because uh, I didn't know what to expect. You know, my first, you know, adventure and I, and I dove into the deep end of Kickstarter, and uh, luckily, uh, you know, we had a lot of success with it and the goal of, of um, getting it out there for people to see, the goal of, you know, having it funded to make sure that it does get printed in, in a, you know, a big and major way so, you know, um, I can give it to the rest of the world and then uh, at the same time, you know, make sure all the, you know, initial backers get something special, so.
0: That's that's awesome, man. And this this is your first Kickstarter, uh, so it's it's got to feel real good to be able to fund in this massive sea of Kickstarter comics right now, because there's a billion different places for people's attention to potentially go to. So to, to, to be able to to land enough eyes to reach your goal and make sure that your book is successfully funded. That's that's quite the accomplishment now, man. So it's first of all, congratulations. Um Thank you. uh I, I I just backed it uh about an hour ago. I was looking at it and I was like, Oh, this this price point is 70 what was it 74 pages 70 72 pages 72
1: pages cover to cover yeah
0: that's uh that's amazing full color as a color artist I would imagine would yep. only have it <laughs> it's <always> in color <laughs> um uh but uh no I mean this is something that I cannot wait to give to my little seven-year-old she has been uh, just kicking ass in life right now and this is this is one of those things. I mean, it's not going to be an immediate, you know, gift, but it's, it's something that's well deserved that I I cannot wait to share with her. I, I she's going to be all in this man. Um I've uh, uh let, let, before we get into your origin story and all that, let's let's stay on topic here. Let's talk about this book. Um uh, the Cobblestone Chronicles. I mean, you're this is really your first to my knowledge. I mean, your first really dive into, you know, a, a young young readers as far as, you know, that, 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 market goes. So what, what, brought yeah. to that for, point?
1: For the most part, it is my first, you know, personal adventure into young readers um, or all ages. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to call it all ages because in reality, uh, the people that read this book are much older. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I have my son who's a 12 year old, his friends and, and some of my younger nieces and nephews and neighbors, you know, they've read it and they've loved it. Um, when I was you know, trying to get some feedback on it. And, uh, and then I sent it to principals and teachers and librarians and other professionals and other writers, other artists. Um, and the, the way the adults you know, reacted to it is what made me really feel like I had something special. Because you can entertain a child um, on a certain level, I wouldn't say easily, but you can entertain them in a certain way that will never hit on any other level than a young reader where I think this book really hits on several different levels without ever being inappropriate for a young reader. And so that's what I'm really proud of, you know, of this. Um, I've had lots of experience uh, with kids Uh, ever since I was in um, middle school. I used to volunteer at a camp during spring break. So while other kids, you know, took, you know, a week to two weeks, you know, vacation, doing whatever they wanted, I was in a camp um, uh, mentoring uh, other younger kids. And I did oh, that wow. all through my high school years. Uh, I was part of um, um, a lot of after school programs for kids. And so I had a lot of experience with them. And I've always enjoyed mentoring. I'm, I'm actually a high school soccer coach. Oh, uh, cool, man. Um, yeah, so uh, and I'm not the only one. You know, funny enough, uh, Alex Sinclair, uh, who I'm sure his works behind you as well. Uh, he also is a high school soccer coach, uh, and he actually coaches at my uh, at my uh, alma mater. He he's he goes where he's coaching at my high school where I graduated at. So what are the odds, well, I, I mean, we're from the same area, you know, we both him and I, you know, worked at Wildstorm together, we've, we've known each other for years, you know, when we go my origin story a little bit, like, we'll, we'll talk about him a bit more, because he's a big part of my career. Awesome. Um, but yeah, but going back to the whole kid part, um, you know, I've always loved kids, I've always loved babies, I've always loved, you know, children and, and the innocence and imagination that they have. Um, so when we were on lockdown, uh, with the pandemic, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, with my son and I already spent a ton of time with my son, but now we spent like every single second together. And one time during dinner, my wife asked, you know, him, uh, whose name is Michael, his name's Michael. Um, uh, what do you miss most? You know, that the pandemic has not let you have, you know, in a while. And he actually said babysitter's. It's like, I miss my babysitters, and, and we're like, you miss your babysitters? It's like, yeah. When you guys go on date nights, you know, they'd come over and they they'd be able to watch movies, play board games, mm-hmm. do laser fights, build Legos, uh, laser tags, sword fights. You know, like all these different things. And um, you know, board games that me and my wife are like, okay, we're done with this board game, you know, uh, for a while. And he wants to play it, so he'll you know he'll make the babysitter do it over and over. And we used to joke. That it's not so much that it's Michael playing with the babysitter, being watching the babysitter, it's Michael versus the babysitter, and uh, <laughs> and then an idea kind of came to my head, and 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 I instantly started thinking of it, and I started talking to my family, like I can see that being a good comic, like I could see that being something special, and I just right then there at the dinner table started kind of putting together this idea, and and it actually uh, filled out where it was a full formed idea of start, you know, start middle and end, um, beginning, middle and end. And I've always wanted to work with Elisa Wicki uh, the artist of the cobblestone chronicles. And, uh, and I thought this project was finally her style, something perfect for her. And uh, so I called her up instantly. I literally left the dinner table. Um, and I called her up I said, Hey, I got an idea. I want to know if you, if, if this sounds anything, you know, um, remotely interesting to you. And when I pitched it to her, she loved it, and she started adding to it already. Uh, so I knew she was excited about it. Uh, I said, "All right, give me give me a little while, and I'm going to write it out. I'm going to I'm going to you know uh, you know get get some layout together, and we'll talk about it." I probably wrote the book, uh, the initial first draft in about three days. Um, wow. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily dialogued in three days, but it was, it was, you know, written out um, with, you know, uh, page breakdowns of what's happening. And, um, and it, it flew, uh, you know, just, just flowed out of me so easily, because it pulls from my child's experience, mm-hmm. my childhood experience, other people, you know, that I've talked to, you know, childhood experiences. And so it's so natural. And that's part of the reason why I think adults, will also enjoy this book is because it, it gives them some nostalgia and yes. it gives them some, uh, you know, fond memories of their own childhood. And so when that happens, that's why we have so much more. And then Elisa and I, we really fill out this story where we put um, extra details that children most likely will miss and they'll miss it just because they are young readers. They won't, they won't know that these things are hidden in plain sight where adults might pick up on it almost instantly, or at least have the ability to recall a page that they read 20 pages ago for the moment, you know, that they're reading now. They're like, oh, I remember, wasn't it? And then they'll go back and like, yep, there, there it is. Awesome. And the book is always filled. My, my last creator, stained was the same way. And on, on the opening, you know, three pages, we, we told people really what the book was about uh, without telling people what the book was about. Um, you just had to really look into the artwork and just because this is a young reader's book or all ages book, um, it's no different. It's, it's the way I like to tell comic uh, stories or stories in general. I like to be, um, you know, no matter what age group they're going for, I like to have them full and, uh, intricate, um, and relatable and understandable and, and cobblestone is, is no different.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I love all of that. Uh, no, I, I... The fact that you bring up the uh, the nostalgia point as far as uh, attracting the uh, the more, you know, I guess the parent readers, you know, the ones that, you know, I guess you don't have to be a parent. But I I, I feel like if you are a parent, that this is a home run because, you know, it's something you got to share together. And this is what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I know you're mentioning the age range kind of being around 10 to 12. My seven year old is uh, I don't mean to two any horns or anything but she's an incredibly advanced reader and uh her homework every day is actually you know to read 20 minutes of books and uh, i've got an abundance of comics that are just right up her alley and this is going to be one of those things that um yeah no she, she's she's going to be very much into and i'm going to i'm going to be able to enjoy it with her now you know it's not going to be something i could just hand off you know like uh, the Legend of Korra or something like that you know like yeah it's perfect for you you know you read it but I'm not into it this is something that I mean I sp- like I said you, you get attracted to a certain creator and you just start having faith in their work and me being a longtime fan of yourself um, you know I like you're, you're you're a color artist but I could say. I've also read your stuff, man. Like, look at it. Uh, that's that's uh, a good one, too. That's a rare. That's,
1: that's the, probably the rarest cover.
0: It, yes, it, indeed. It. So uh, for those uh, the people that, that can't see what just happened, uh, he, he's also written a, a pretty badass book, I might say, called Stained. Um, was that that was uh, I guess we're going to let's work this origin story in reverse. So I've never done it like this. All um, right. <laughs> we're definitely I, I want to come back to Cobblestone for sure. We're not done with Cobblestone. But since you brought up stained, or at least I kind of brought up stained a little bit, um, this this isn't your first venture into to writing with Cobblestone. You have done something that's not all ages, or essentially, and with, with stained. that um, was it like twenty seventeen? Yeah. Um, was that your first published writing as a comic book artist, or how... uh,
1: as as a credited writer? Yes.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, so, that's gotta feel cool. Uh,
1: yeah, back, back around uh, 2000, I would say, 11, 12, I was an art director for um, Cryptozoic Entertainment. I did the World of Warcraft uh, TCG, uh, the Big Bang uh, Theory Party Game, the Walking Dead Board Game, the DC Deck Building Game, um, and, and a bunch of others. And But my main job was, was to art direct uh, the World of Warcraft TCG. And... Um, And during that time, part of the reason I took that job is because I wanted to do a lot more writing. And one of the promises that didn't necessarily come to fruition, and not so much faults of theirs, um, it's just the way the business is, is that they were going to publish some of my creator-owns. And it never happened. And Mm. I left the company, and that's when I started with Valiant. And then when I started with Valiant, that's also when I got... Um, you know, stained off the ground. And the way I work my creator owns is I like them to be full scripts before I even find an artist. I like to know uh, what I'm doing. Um, So that way I can say, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is exactly what the story is going to be. There's no surprises. Uh, You have all the scripts. Here's the schedule. uh, And here's the release date of the books. And I need all all my books done before, you know, this deadline. And then I go to publishers at that point uh maybe it's a lot of work you know on my end ahead of time uh it's just the way i like comics to work i Mm -hmm. hate uh late books you know if it's Mm. one week late two weeks late i can deal if it's a month or two months late i lose the story Um, yeah and so i like to keep it all together so stain uh is a sci-fi action adventure thriller is the way i describe it um it's a five issue miniseries Stain volume two was just announced a couple months ago oh Uh, shit and that's that out, yeah, that's going to come out in 2022 with artist Carl, uh, Carl Mostert. Uh, oh, really dude,
0: Carl's about. my dude, man. Yeah, uh, so he's, he's been on the up, show, uh, yeah. deceased and uh, yeah. man who fucked up every or fucked up time. Yeah. Uh, he's got. Yeah. He's, it's my dude. Yeah, oh, he's, that's he, so awesome. he's
1: fantastic, and and him and he was with John Layman. And the funny part was uh, that's John Lehman right there because uh, oh. he, he used to be an editor of mine uh, back at Wildstorm. And and I've had that at my desk. uh, He's
0: my all-time favorite writer.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's been at my desk for, for over 20 years. Oh, Uh, that's
0: so cool, man. Yeah.
1: So uh, it's, it's been one of those things. um, And, uh, and I, and I got that frame with Alex Sinclair, uh, with John Lehman, with, uh, you know, a couple other people uh, when I got that frame. Uh, So it has a lot of, you know, memories without, you know, uh, you know, standing out as something Mm -hmm. that would be valuable to someone. Um, but yeah, so, so stained, uh, volume two is coming out with Carl. He, um, you know, him and I met uh, doing some Batman together and what he has brought to stained has been phenomenal. The first issue is already done, uh, and lettered. We're on to the second one and we're just going to keep plugging away. And hopefully by October of 2022, uh, you know, he'll be way in advance done where I can solicit and, uh, you know, whether it's going to be another Kickstarter or if it's going to go straight to a publisher, um, you know, that's yet to be seen, but the first things first is, is to get all done, but stain volume two is fully written. It's darker than ever. And it's the complete opposite of what cobblestone Chronicles is, uh, yes. in terms of subject matter. Uh, but still I, I write, um, the way I write comics also is the way I got into comics is I want them complex. I want them beautiful. I want them, um, you know, satisf- satisfying uh, with a beginning, middle and end uh, and strong from page one to page when it ends. Uh, what are yet- those
0: comics that you, uh, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but real. Oh, go ahead. Just,
1: uh, what, what are those comics that you
0: would classify as that, that, you know, you, you, you try to model your writing style after like, what, what are those types of reads?
1: Um, well, going back from from the day, uh, you know the, the what got me into comics uh, is basically uh, you know Chris Claremont's runs of the X Men, where mm-hmm. you got you got a full run of, of character stories, um, and that's what got me into it. But he also wrote them in a way that um, I you could be a sixth grader and be allowed to write uh, read it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be you know so many things nowadays deal with such heavy subject matter and they don't pull any punches because they're trying to be edgy or, or real, but you're alienating so many young readers. So like uh example, like the DC uh, uh, Titans TV show, you know, that's not for my age group to me. That's for, you know, younger, younger audiences and, and like teenage audience yet it's filled with so much um, vulgarity that's mm-hmm. not necessarily needed that my sixth grader and seventh grader couldn't watch it, you know, as a parent, yes. I could be like, yeah, go watch that show. Like, you know, it's one of those things, but the subject matters that they're saying and the actual like emotional, um, you know, uh, range is really for a middle school, high schooler. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's one of those things. So that's, that's like the biggest thing about my books is that I want them to be um, on such a level that you and I as more mature readers, Get a lot out of it. Um, Yet, I don't want it to be uh, vulgar or so graphic that you can't um, uh, you can't uh, let a younger reader get exposed to quality comics. And I think Stained showed that a lot because in Stained um, you saw uh, there was it's about human trafficking. We killed about about thirty kids, uh, but you didn't see any of those kids die. You know, they, they were in crates uh, type of thing. So it was implied uh, and it was horrific death. You know, it wasn't, a, a, you know, if you actually are mature enough to see what's going on in the book, you are you know horrified by what, by what these bad guys are doing. Um, then you have, um, you know, and I, and I say this lightly, you know, for, for anyone, you know, has, or not lightly, say it very heavily, but there, there's a rape scene in the book. Um, but again, because of experiences that I know of of, of people and just the maturity levels of people, uh, the rape scene is completely two black panels um, yeah. where where you don't see anything, um, and it's definitely story based. There's a reason why you know that scene is in there, um, and so. Uh, but again, for a younger audience, you are not going to have to deal with that whatsoever. You're not going to have to be exposed Uh, it definitely doesn't glorify it definitely doesn't you know sensationalize Um, yet as a mature reader you get to read so much more into those two black panels um, than anybody would ever draw anyways and so and those and those are the things that I'm talking about And I think like a you know Warren Ellis and Planetary and and Stormwatch Authority I thought he did really well with that DV8 the old Wiles from Mm. book oh yeah yeah uh, I thought they did really well about that. Um, Like I said, tons of X-Men books, I thought have done such a great job of giving you so much. Um, And then of course, you know, I've had the pleasure of reading, you know, dozens and dozens of Alan Moore scripts, you know, through my years working with him, you know, uh, at America's Best Comics, you know, through Wildstorm um, and seeing what type of scripts, you know, he has. So it's not just the books. Like um, I've, I've definitely read, at this point in my career, I've probably read more scripts than I've actually read comics. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, I and, would imagine.
1: Yeah, because, you know, that's really how I read the comic books. I, I read them in script form. And then I look at the art uh, when the books come in, but I don't normally read, uh, read the book because I've already read the book. So I know what's kind of going on. Uh, right. And, uh, otherwise it also takes so much time, you know, to, to, you know, invest, um, where, uh, you know, it's like swamp thing, uh, green hell that I'm working right now with Doug monkey and and Jeff Lemire. Um, I, I probably will never read the book. I'll look through it just to see how it prints. the whole professional side, but I've read the whole script, you know, that Jeff wrote and it's brilliant. And, And, you know, and that's how I, you know, interpret most of my books so sometimes when I read a comic, um, I always feel left out because I don't, you know, when I when I buy a comic from the shelf and I read it, I love it, but I I feel not cheated, but it's like okay, now I'll, you know, I'll call the person, hey, send me your script. I want to I want to see what else you wrote, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I like that, man. It's 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 a it's it's a bittersweet kind of curse situation, I would imagine, it as is. a colorist. Um, and honestly. I, that's probably just one of many. You know, I, I've spoken with a couple of uh, colorists on this this podcast now, and yeah, I mean, there's there's just a a, a lot of things that I, I you, you miss out on uh, as a colorist uh, because. Well, I don't know, just for so many stupid reasons, but do know, do know that it is my favorite part of a book. It will be the thing that I, I say yay or nay on a book with. Um, it, it is, if I were to open it up off the shelf blindly, that's, it is a hundred percent based off of how the color grabs my eyes. So it, very, very appreciated.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, in today's world, there's so many talented colorists out there and so many talented artists that color themselves that when you know of an artist that you really love, and they get paired with a colorist that you don't necessarily enjoy, uh, it really puts you off of that artist for that issue. And, yeah. and it really stands out. And so it's a, it is a very interesting modern dynamic where um, back in the 90s, uh, when you had in late 80s, when you had Jim Lee's work or Eric Larson's or Topic McFarlane's or any of the other greats, you didn't really ever look at the color um, because it was all kind of the same. And nowadays coloring is just as diverse as uh, the artwork. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where when I first started coloring, um you know, we created a style at Wildstorm and, and perfected, you know, comic book coloring at Wildstorm effects in, in a way that really showcased everything. And no one ever said like, oh, they're just trying to be like Wildstorm effects where they're just trying to color like Alex Sinclair or Laura Dupuis." But if you were a Jim Lee clone or a Rob Liefeld clone or a Todd McFarland clone, they're like, oh, you draw like that person. But it's funny that no one ever made the same jump to coloring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they would do the same with writing. If you wrote like Frank Miller, they'd say, oh, yeah, he's like a Frank Miller clone in terms of writing or he's, you know... But no one ever made that jump to coloring because it was such a new thing. Um, and because when we first started coloring, no one really knew our names. And so it wasn't really a thing that you could say, hey, that person, you know, colors like David Barron. Uh, right. Or Alex and Claire, because you, you just wouldn't know. You'd see Some effects and, and that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: and that, that's um, I'm talking to a couple of color. Uh, the, the, the first one that comes to mind is Sean Callahan. He's he's a hell of an up and coming guy. But uh, he was telling me, you know, like uh, the first time he he put a book out, he went to go pick it up off the shelf and it didn't have his name on it. Yeah. Uh, and i'm like oh dude that that's terrible and that's like one of those things that just irks me i, I when if i look at a you know a cover and if you're going to take the time to title the books put those names on there there's two more names at least you got to put on there you know you got a color artist you got a letter there they, without them you, you you got a crap book you know yeah. i mean it's uh, so yeah no it's um just it's, another one of those the, those things that you guys got to suffer as co- color artists but it it, it makes me wonder yeah. Are you a masochist? What made you want to be a color artist? I mean, well, uh, what wh- where were you at as far as your your artistic ability starting out? I mean, did you draw and then get into or let, let, let's start let's start so, you know, so how This you got is into the art. full
1: this is the full origin story then. So my first my first comic was G.I. Joe Comics and other comics like that, um, that you get at grocery stores uh okay. you know during the spin racks or when comics were, you know, where all like candy is, you know to get kids to buy them. Uh, my first real comic book, and I say real, as I should just say, my first comic book purchased in a comic book store okay. was X-Force number one. My uh, friend took me to the comic book store with him and, uh, and I was instantly hooked. I just said, uh, I said, oh, this is awesome. It's polybagged, you know, it had that, I had, you know, collector in my blood Uh, so it really, uh, made this something that I was like, okay, I want to collect all the cards of X-Force number one before I even read the book. Um, you know, I was like, Ooh, this is kind of cool. I only bought one at the time, opened it up, read it, loved it. And then went back and bought all the cards, you know, every, Mm. every single polybag X-Men number one came out, same exact thing, loved it, bought all the covers. Um, I I bought that book over and over and over again, uh, as as I was a you know, adult, I'd be like, buy one of those, your favorite one and buy more books that you enjoy. Cause I passed on like other, like golden, golden books, uh, at the time. And, uh, uh, but instead I bought, you know, like 20, you know, X-Men number ones and 20 X-Force number ones. And, um, and so I kept, uh, you know, reading comics and, and started drawing with friends just like every other kid does Right on. and uh, going through it and, and we'd be drawing and, and stuff like that. Uh, I, I I'm in San Diego at this time. Uh, I grew up in San Diego, California. And uh, all of a sudden we get this, you know, nice little flyer uh, at the comic book store that says, Hey, San Diego comic-con is coming to the convention center, you know, and it was the first year that San Diego comic-con was at the convention center. Now it's been around, before, but never on such a grand stage. Right, and so my friend's dad said, I'll, "If you guys want to go, you know me and my best friend Nick Jenkins. Uh, if you two want to go, um, you know I'll, I'll take you." And um, and I still remember, you know, every single trip that we'd go get breakfast burritos, and we would be. Yeah, uh, you could. Uh, have you ever been to San Diego Comic Con?
0: i have not no i have not experienced that yet
1: so so they have this huge drive up you know uh you know to the front where you can drive up and it's it's now only for buses uh because it's comic-con's two-pack but literally when that show first started uh your parents uh could drive up on the curb kick you out of the van or whatever car you're into and drive off you know it it was really really easy and so he would drive us up uh, or we'd park, you know, if he wanted to go in, you know, on one of the days, uh, we'd have our breakfast burritos and we would just wait in line. And you bought your tickets at the show, you know, you couldn't pre buy them, you right? Them.
0: There's no lottery or anything like that,
1: no, nothing like that. You just walked up and, and registered at the show. And, uh, so we did that, it was all part of the fun. And, and I saw, uh, that you could do a portfolio reviews. So I thought, how cool. I used to sit there and I watched them. My, um, Eighth grade year, I think I showed my first portfolio with my friend. No uh, kidding. Yeah. We, uh, we said, hey, let's get it going. Let's give it a shot. Let's see how good we are. You know, because everyone in school always thought like, oh, you guys are the best, you know, artists in the school and all these different things. Like all you guys do is draw and you guys are all amazing. And looking back at that art, it was all garbage, but, you know, it had something about it that people liked. So we... Um, uh, so we went, showed portfolios, got ripped to shreds. No one held back. Cause we were eighth graders, you know, no one uh-huh. held back at all. I, I mean, I, I still- they probably
0: got a kick out of it because you're an eighth grader. Cause they know they're not going to get punched in the face.
1: Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe they were actually, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think they were just trying to help. I, I really do. I think they were saying like, Hey kid, if you really want to get this job, this is what you need to work on. Awesome. You know? And I think, I think it was more that than, than them being anything of, of, uh, you know, ill willed or, or mean That's good to hear. yeah That's good to hear. And uh uh so I took that advice, came back my freshman year, and uh uh it was the eighth of freshman year and then uh got ripped to shreds again. And I was like, okay, not not too bad, not too bad. I got ripped to shreds again. Um and uh it was actually the end of my freshman year. Uh so it was as I'm going into my sophomore year. And um and so uh, I said, "Okay, not so bad, not so bad." And I kept showing. Well, I went to the Wildstorm booth, and I ended up getting a business card. And I ended up saying, "Call this number, you know, and we'll chat." And again, I'm I'm 15 years old. You know, I'm still being driven to the comic con. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's right. still, still not you know something that I can do on my own. But you got and, a call. Uh, so after the show, I wait. I wait the week that they said to wait. I called, and I, I remember all the people that I spoke with. Uh, because they've all became you know friends of mine through the years, um, and uh, I, I called them up and I said, "Hey, you know, my name is David Barron. I got this business card. I sent you a comic con to give you a call. I showed my portfolio, and I wanted to uh, you know schedule an interview." And they said, "Okay, who'd you talk with?" I said, "Oh, I talked to this person and this person." And they're like, "Oh, okay." Well, hmm. And um, and they said, "Hold on." And I said, "Okay." And so I was on hold for like. What felt like fifty minutes, probably like a good mm. five though. And uh, when I they came back, they said, "How old are you?" That's literally their first, you know, question. <laughs> how old are you? And I said, "Well, I'm 15." They're like, "Okay, hold, hold on," and they I've got it on hold again. This was much sure they go, "Okay, so to be at WildStar, I'm not sure how you got this card, but you have it. Uh, but at WildStar, you got to be 18. You know, we don't hire people under 18." uh, to, to work here. Um, and, uh, but we do have this other company that, uh, might be interested. And so John need the former, uh, publisher of Marvel comics, the former vice president of DC comics, uh, the former, uh, president or vice president of Wildstorm, Uh, and he was the, uh, uh, vice president of Cryptozoic entertainment. Uh, he owned a side company with his sister, with his sister Clyde and me, um, uh, who a lot of people know through San Diego comic-con, uh, called in color. And it was a coloring house and a film, digital film service wow. and Wildstorm used them a lot. And so basically it was where they could hire people like me and see if they, you know, pan out or college kids and see if they pan out or just get cheap labor. You know, like
0: well, there's that a, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like all of the above and uh, so i i went in the interview and i and i got the job at 15 so i started working with you know a bunch of different comic book uh studios and you know including image extreme wildstorm all the image you know places uh did a lot of trading cards back when i was 15 worked on books like wetworks um nice. uh, i know that we did we did things like casper one of the coolest books i got to work on at that place was star wars droids uh for Dude. dark horse yeah that was really cool and um And I got into the world and I and we like I said, we filmed the books back then because it wasn't digital back then. And we mail them off, uh, you know, take go driving down to FedEx to to mail off big boxes of film uh, to Canada, to the printer. And so what would happen is, is I interviewed as um, a penciler, as a a full on artist. I I had I had uh, sequentials and I had covers. Nice. Um, and I got hired as a colorist cause that was the only job at this company, um, mm-hmm. that was art-based. And I said, absolutely. Cause what 15 year old is going to say no to yeah. anything comic book related. Seriously. And, uh, yeah. So I said, yes, absolutely. Um, and I didn't even really know what I was getting into, you know, like really, I just thought, let's do this. It sounds great. And, um, and luckily I had a strong work ethic. And I had a good head on my shoulders to figure out uh, how to understand all the processes of comics. Uh,
0: Working deadlines uh, at fifteen, like yeah, that's that, that's, yeah. that's 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 tough, man. I mean, that, that, that's that'll that'll learn you real good, you <laughs> know. So, so one of the things?
1: Yeah, we had we had a, a friend again, a longtime friend. He's one of the first people I met at Wildstorm because uh, he would come to In Color uh, and he would bring pizzas. And uh, he'd bring a bunch of pizzas. His name's Aaron Watanabe, really nice guy. And uh, he'd bring a bunch of pizzas and he'd bring one zip drive. And for people that don't know what a zip disk is, it's this little blue disk that holds a lot of information.
0: Well, yes. like 3.2 megabytes of information.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which, which fact, there was a lot of information. That was huge. Yeah, and uh, or he would have several, you know, we'd have a whole <laughs> stack of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, it would have a bunch of trading cards on them. And he would, he would a lot of times like bring him in on a Friday because all the art came in, you know, throughout the week, bring it on a Friday and said, we need all this done by Monday. And so Friday to to Sunday evening, I would just be at in color working nonstop and loving every second of it, you know, doing gen 13, doing uh, a spawn, doing a wildcats, uh, like I said, wet works, all this different, you know, awesome cards. Uh but a lot of the old image card sets that came out at you know in ninety-four, ninety five, uh, and ninety-six, they were almost all done by me. Like a half, half of those sets were were done by me.
0: As a Uh, as a teenager. Yeah,
1: as a teenager. Like a barely
0: teenager. You're not like almost graduating teenager. Yeah, 15,
1: 16, and 17 were in color. And uh then when I turned 18, uh, I I moved to Wildstorm Effects and Wildstorm Proper. And then that's when I really started to get to work with Alex Sinclair and Laura Dupuy and Ted Ehrlich and uh, so many others. I mean, that, that place was full of talent. Joe Chido, Wendy Fouts were, were there, uh, still doing hand colors. Uh, you know, Scott Williams's office is right there. Our office is right across the, across the hallway from Jim Lee's office and John Neese and Travis Charest, uh, you know, Jeff Campbell. I mean, all these people. Are all over, you know, in, in uh, you know, Wildstorm, including all the editors, Scott Doombear, Ben Abernathy, John Lehman, you know. Mm. Um, and so it was just a magical, magical moment. Um, and DC bought Wildstorm, and, and you know, then we kind of get more to, you know, my more current stuff of, of working with DC. But it's been, um, what is it, 20, going on 28 years now of comics?
0: That's that's amazing, man, because I
1: was I was thinking, you know, I, I saw that, you know, I, I, almost
0: 30 years and then you popped on my screen. I'm like, so you've been doing this for what, like since you were 12? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I almost. mean, you, 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 you don't. I mean, you, shit, yeah. dude, you look like you're my age and you're still like less than uh, uh, like eight years older than me or something like that. Yeah. So it's yeah. No, dude, you I can't imagine that life like just right out of right out of high school being being right up into the mix of it at at its really it's it's best too. like it was the dawn of modern comics you know and oh man this is what an incredible story i don't know of many people that have decided that i mean 15 years old getting discovered like that you know after a couple, uh, even then, you 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 experience rejection at a young age. Like I said, I, I know if somebody told me, "No, you're not going to do it at 15," I'm like, "Ah, I'll figure something else out." Yeah. Cause, I mean, I'm a dumb 15 year old, but yeah. you you were much smarter than that. And, ah, dude, Jesus Christ, I, I I I am so grateful for that story. That that is amazing. Um, now uh, since you you decided, okay, coloring's my thing, and you're you're a guarant, surefire Hall of Famer. Um, I mean this is uh, as far as color artists go, i mean you you are a household name at this point there's no no doubt about it um but to know that you you got recognized as an artist, um have you ever thought, okay, you know maybe I want to draw a book or may I mean you just started getting into writing again a few years ago, you know technically so uh, is drawing the next phase possibly
1: So I've done a good amount of covers uh, okay it, I do enjoy uh, the art side. Uh, I enjoy the writing side a lot more because I can get more out. Mm -hmm. And um, part of the reason I think I enjoyed coloring so much and stuck with it. So even during all those coloring years, I've always drawn things and I've always written, uh, um, you know, stories. It's just how much did it actually get to the, you know, printed page of a full comic book series and um in comics especially uh which was really weird especially uh, in the 90s they didn't really like writers to go t- to art and artists to go to writing that's something that happened more in the 2000s and uh you know when writers you know started saying well you know i draw too so i want to draw my own book or, or vice versa it's more commonly vice versa where artists was like "Well, oh, i'm gonna write my own book and then they kind of realized uh what they like to do better, you know, because I know a lot of artists that can write and because they enjoyed storytelling and they're, and they're very creative, which makes them such a great, you know, um, artist, but ultimately they'd rather be behind an art desk than a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where people go, where I right now would rather be behind a keyboard than an art desk. Awesome. And, um, and so occasionally I don't mind hopping, behind my art desk or even when it's digitally, you know, behind the, you know, virtual, you know, art desk right here, this Mm -hmm. little, um, I don't mind that stuff, uh, here and there, but putting that grind that it takes to be a Doug monkey or a jock or a Jim Lee, you know, that's, it's a lot of work and it takes a certain, uh, mindset. And my mindset right now in my current form is to, I think a lot more keep telling stories, uh, but in a little bit quicker way where I can write, I could probably write five issues of comics by the time it takes one artist to do, you know, a full, you know, one, one issue. Um, So I think that's kind of where I lie right now.
0: That's, that's awesome. Uh, And honestly, it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear too, as as a fan and a reader to know that, okay, you've already had this very long career, career at a length of which a lot of people Uh, would dream to have. Um, But at so young, we would hate to see you burn out. And now we're discovering this whole other talent that you have. Um, That's, that's very exciting to not know that you are going to burn out, you know, because you have this other thing. And to say that, you know, you've got so much to get out and that's, you know, that, that, that's why you want, you know, prefer writing because you can express more through that. Uh, I, th- that, is, that, that is awesome to hear, man. And to see these two different sides. And here I go circling back around, going back to stained. um, And, uh, and then Cobblestone Chronicles, uh, you're, you're multi-talented. You're not a, a one trick pony as far as, okay, well, he's a color artist, but he can write like this too. No, he's a color artist that also can write several different ways. And that's, that's exciting because if you could write these two ways, I like, can't wait to see what's in between, you know, um, what, what, what other, what other type of uh, talented artists you bring along with you, Carl Mostert. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, that's my dude. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah, Oh man. I, 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 now I was glad to wake up early to do that, uh, that interview with him all the way down in South Africa. Like that yeah. was, uh, and then I, I look at Eliza, is it wiki or wiki wiki wiki. wiki? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, drastically, drastically different style. But at the same time, I'm drawn to color. Yeah. And this this person, she she knows the the palette that that attracts me. And it, it's I don't know, man, it, it, it's awesome to see that you, you you're you're willing to take on all, the, all these other artists and stuff that are, you know, just have. Yeah. I mean, so one
1: of one of the great things about the Cobblestone Chronicles is that I color and I letter that book.
0: So, oh, you 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 do color this as well? Oh yeah, I color. Oh color. geez, so this is a yeah. like a coloring style I've never seen of yours.
1: So, so that's one of the things that I love about me is like one, one thing that I actually like pat myself on the back on uh, is that I actually don't really have a coloring style. Um, I compliment artists, and yes. I've always done that growing up. Where um, I know that people like Alex Sinclair and Claire and Lord of like they can do the same thing. But in reality, they definitely have a distinct style. Uh, my work changes. So if you've seen my work on, let's say, um, uh, Valiant's Dr. Mirage, uh, that is different than my work on Doug Monkey's you know, JLA. Mm-hmm. And it's also different than the cobblestone, and it's also different than stained. Um, so you'll get similarities because it is me. Um, but you, you will get something that's always going towards a project. It's kind of like if I was a fashion designer or a costume, um, designer for a movie, uh, and we're doing a Western, I'm not going to put them in my, you know, um, you know, footloose outfits, like you're going to Hmm. change it up. And that's how I've always seen me as a creator is that I'm not someone who I'm saying, what are we trying to do? And this part of the reason why I really like coloring a lot. Because it's not so much what am I going to do to make this a David Barron project, what I'm going to do is give you expertise and knowledge to tell a better story. And so that's why I read the script, I find out what the story is that we're telling, and then I apply my craft to help tell that story, where I think there's other people... That they don't care what the story is; they're going to make it look the way they want to make it look. And right. That's they, not me. Yeah.
0: Well, and they, and they say stuck in this bubble to where you know it's kind of you're, you become I guess like a. a- character actor in a way to where people are like oh he he can only i mean he works well with jock and capullo but I and mean, he would never be able to do so and so you're somebody to where you could be paired with anybody because you compliment the artist you're not a color artist that says okay make sure you guys know it's me but at the same time it's it, it, i don't know it, 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 the, the subtlety that you bring about it, it it's it's I don't know. Uh, you're a humble color artist. It's a hall of famer. let's put it that way. Cause it's, there's, there's not a lot of people out there that, you know, like I said, you, you don't have a style and that that's, I'm looking at this, this, this Kickstarter page here for Cobblestone Chronicles. And based off of what I would have never imagined this is used. So to see that you could take it to this level too, and, and do something like this. And,
1: and, I, and Cobblestone I it was actually one of my most fun times I had coloring a book ever. I mean, partly, partly because I got to the the way the cobblestone worked was um, I obviously wrote the book, you know, fully, and then I gave it to Elisa and she would turn in pages at like five at a time. And then what I would do is I would letter the pages first. Mm. And then that's how I I made sure that um, if there anything that did get changed, uh, in the artwork compared to the script that everything still works. Uh, sometimes I'd come up with new dialogue. Sometimes I'd come up with something a little bit, you know, different to match the artwork better or, um, in a very, very rare, you know, I think like twice this whole book, I would say, you know, I don't know if it works. Can we try this? And, and we would change something a little bit. Um, after I lettered it and it looked great, I would, um, uh, and read well, I'd go right to color right away. And so we had a penciled, lettered, and colored page um, uh, every single time before we moved on to the next page, which oh, is cool. super rare. Yeah, uh, Usually, you know, you get all the script, then you get all the artwork, then the coloring and the lettering happens by two different people. Mm-hmm. But being it, you know, my creator-owned with Elisa, uh, we were able to really dive in and, and create the world, you know, each page at a time. And doing that brought so much joy to the next page because uh, you really got to spend time with the page. And um, uh, like right now, I'm working with Doug on Swamp Thing. And it's not that I'm not spending time on the page, but they're coming in and I'm just coloring it. And then I go into the next page where Mm -hmm. this, I got to letter it, read it, make sure it hit on all cylinders, uh, you know, talk to Elisa and say, hey, can we change this? Like, here's it colored. What do you think? Do you think we should add this? And then we'd go back and add a couple things. And this is why I could say that cobblestone is so much more than just a young reader's book um, because there's so much more uh, detail that fans of artwork uh, will value, which is part of the reason I think that you were attracted to it so much, even being something that's completely different than the Batman who lasts behind you.
0: (laughs) It's
1: so different, but at the same time, it still hits on those cylinders You know, it's it's uh, kind of one of those things why South Park works. You know, it's the rawest animation in the world, but it fits the 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 object of what they're trying to create, and therefore it becomes, uh, you know, South Park in South Park's case, a masterpiece, uh, masterpiece. In cobblestone's case, I hope a future one because that's obviously the goal that every creator should have. You shouldn't yeah, create a throwaway thing. You know, no. uh, that, that's not what I do. Um, when it's my creator own, everything I like that. stained. Yeah, whether it's stained, whether it's cobblestone, um, whether it's uh, a couple of my other you know projects coming down in 2022, um, I'm always trying to hit on um, a award-winning mentality. You know, it's up to it's up to critics and the fans to say if it was good or not but my goal is always to hit on those cylinders and um and that's how i approach comics because as a reader and as a fan that's what i'm hoping other people are also doing they're striving that's part of the reason why i really love carl because carl's also trying to hit uh every cylinder every time and i also love elisa for that same thing she's always trying to make you laugh with her artwork
0: i love it oh that's important I like that you said that's very very important to me because I mean honestly it, that's that's a surefire way to keep a book on my pull list forever is if you can if you can get one giggle out of me per issue, yeah. I'm I'm I can't wait for the next one and I mean I uh, uh, I'm so excited to read this with my kid man you have no yeah. idea David seriously. Do it, do it. Um, do we? Uh, do you have a uh, projected um, shipping date on this? Uh, uh, December, early December. No kidding, that's well, like yeah. tomorrow almost. Um, that's, almost. That's crazy. So the
1: book, the book's fully ready, you know, for print. I'm, I'm waiting on a couple more covers for the exclusives, um, and uh, but those are supposed to be in this week, uh, and uh, and then it's off to the printer. It's a, a U.S. printer, uh, so we control how long it actually you know, will get shipped and, and we already know those projected dates. So I hope to send it to the printer, uh, literally the day that Kickstarter is done, uh, if not actually a little bit beforehand, just so it's all prepped and stuff like that. Uh, because again, the book's completely done before we yeah. uh, advertised it on Kickstarter. Uh, and then it'll take no more than 30 days from start to finish to get back to me. Um, so, uh, you know, and, that, and that's on the long side because that's four to five weeks when we're right. about three weeks. Uh, so it gives us a two-week buffer uh, in there. And then- um,
0: It's just packing know, I- hundreds of books.
1: Yeah, and and me and my wife uh, and son are experts at that from the twenty you know eight years and the online. the online Thank comp- you. Cons. Yeah. See, and that's so, one thing. Uh, I, I'm yeah. glad you bring that up because
0: I, I got to say that's one thing that I, I love my Kickstarter and I, I, I've been getting an abundance of Kickstarters in the mail, but the way they've been packed recently, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but a lot of them just get sent in an envelope and shipped yeah. out, and that's uh, that's that's no good because I'm a collector. You know, right. uh, 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 the, uh, you're a collector. You understand that. You mentioned buying 20 copies of X-Force number one. Do you still have those, by the way?
1: No, I, I couldn't. So, <laughs> so uh, a quick quick story about my comic book collecting days. Um, they got killed by free books. Ah. So, you know, it's one of those how you said, like, the, the pitfalls of being in the industry sometimes. Uh, I got every single book in the industry All those costs. for free, yeah. and I kept my UPS and FedEx guy at my house. Just kept big boxes on my doorstep. For one time, he had like five boxes stacked up, He I mean, he's like tall as a man. And he said, "Do you need help bringing them in?" I'm like, "No, I don't want them in my house." Um, and he's like, "Oh, what do you want me?" He's like, "I leave them." So my friends would come over. And they would literally just pick a box and I used to let them look through them. Uh, and then I made a rule that they couldn't even do that anymore. You just had to took a, you know, take a box. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I just got too many books and like, it's the curse of a collector where you'd be like, Oh, only if I can get all these things for free, it kind of kills the fun of going to a store and searching for things and, and knowing that you were there, at the at the rack when it came out, you know, mm. like I was at the store when this book came out and I bought it, you know, type of thing. Um, and so it it is one of those things that it makes me sad. Like I see your darker image behind you. Uh, I see uh, you know some of the Wolverines and the, and the Venom, you know, number one, uh, you know, all these things that I've had in my collection um Mm. and uh you know multiple you know ones of it and uh you know from image zero to gold foil you know oh oh, they're all over there trust me (laughs) I mean if I
0: turn the camera a little bit you would see my curse I actually just came home with five more long drawer boxes two days ago because of my curse and I just signed up as a retailer so now I'm gonna have even more stuff coming in now it's it's that's I'm afraid to lose that little sparkle there because I used to like I have yeah. a pull list. I pre-order everything I buy. Yeah. I like going and picking up my books, but now they're just going to be delivered to me. And I, I'm afraid I'm going uh, to, I, I, I don't know. Dude, I'm, a like junkie. Just... I'm not going to lose the blog. I mean, uh, I'll find space. i am just buy yeah, bigger. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's
1: one of those things to always keep in mind. It's kind of like when they say, you know, don't, don't work with family, you know, or, or mm. your wife yeah. or husband type of thing, because you'll see them all day and then you're not going home to them, missing them. Right. You are with them nonstop. And so it's good to work with them. It's just, you know, boundary is comics collecting for me was the same thing. Uh, so, like I said, I don't read comics anymore uh, on the same scale that I used to. Right, right. Uh, unless it's in script form. I read right. scripts all the time from my friends' books as, hey, check out my new script. Boom, 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 done. Uh, or I'll read it in PDFs as, like, um, hey, check this out. You know, tell me what you think type of copy. Um, But actually going to the store grabbing a book whenever I do that because I still get that itch, you know. Those books usually, you know, will just sit there and then I end up giving them away, you know. Mm. Just there, you know, here read this book, you know. Ah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think the last book I bought was. What was the last book I bought? Uh, The last issue of The Walking Dead might be the last comic. Ooh, book bought,
0: all right one one ninety uh, three or what? yeah, yeah okay yeah, all right.
1: Store. Uh, I was just at New York Comic Con. Uh, yeah. I did buy uh, a couple people's books. I bought um, uh, uh, the person tabling uh, next to me. He actually had a, a, a children's book, uh, so I bought my son that. Um, it was uh, oh, what was the title? Uh, I hate that I can't forget. I know it was like trash it, um, okay. can it trash trash can it? I think is what it was called. All right, it was, it was a really cool little children's book. My son liked it a lot. Uh, So I was happy to buy that book and I bought a couple other ones of, you know, going around artist Alley um, and just, you know, trying to support other people. Um, And, um, you know, so those those are really good. But yeah, no collecting. So that's what happened in my collection. I wish I still had those books.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have the 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 probably the most said line in uh, comic book history is I wish I still had those yeah. Um it's uh but yeah, money.
1: But most of those books. I mean, I know that like all my Deadpool, you know, origins and things like that that I had, I know those going pretty well. Yeah. And all the Rob Liefeld X Forces seem to be grading, you know, really high and then topic fun. But in reality, I wish I had them not because of the financial, you know, investment that I thought I was doing. In reality, that investment was all emotional, you know, like yeah. every every book that I had reminded me of the time that I had with my, you know, X-Force number one is will always be bought because of uh, a friend of mine named Chris Lyons. You know, he will he will always be tied to that. And the fact that I know his name back from the sixth grade and he was just a neighbor that we only spent like a year together, you know, but that emotional impact of, of my career. And then ultimately, you know, uh, Nick Jenkins, who was my best friend growing up um, and uh, who I still talk with, you know, all those books, you know, we all have stories and every time we get together or talk on the phone, uh, what I talk to him about is like, do you remember that comic book store? Do you remember this one? Remember how we used to do this? You know, uh, because those those are why I enjoy collecting comics, you know,
0: I love it, man. And uh, just just from talking to you here in the, this last hour, I, I, I could tell that you are a person that clearly enjoys this. I mean, you'd have to be insane to be doing this for, you know, 25 plus years and not like it. You know, um but I mean, you you you're you're a fan of the medium, and sure, you you don't get to read comics, but it's you 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 get to read them in a in a much more raw form that a lot of us wish that we could read them. You I, know, I, I mean, I
1: think so. I think if you, I think if more people put out their scripts, like stain stain volume one, uh that whole script will be available. Uh, uh, I want to I want to kind of polish it up. It takes a little bit you know comic book writers are notoriously um uh their scripts are uh, filled with airs uh mm. because it's not the medium where you need to see it uh some more than others some uh you know uh scripts uh and I won't I won't call people out but we've seen scripts that are you know almost illiterate but are yeah. also beautifully um done because they tell a great comic book story but the right. actual descriptions and and use of you know um, vocabulary is quite limited, but yet it gets the point across. And then you have people scripts like where I can call it like Alan Moore, who will write a twenty page script, but it'll be like three hundred pages. <laughs> right, and, uh, and that's why a lot of times you know when he works with artists, he's working with some of the most intelligent artists out there um, because of you know just what his script entails, uh, like League of Destroyed, Extraordinary gentleman would be a wonderful script for people to buy. Um, I just don't know if they ever would actually sell it, especially now. Uh, right. but, uh, um, that script, when I when I read it, was way over my head. Um, and my good friend, who was editor at the time there, uh, uh, he just loved that script because uh, he understood every single reference, and not only just understood it, but knew it and. And he was just thought, man, what an amazing, amazing script. And uh, so, I mean, that's another reason why I like comics. It really works on, you know, multiple different levels. But yeah, ultimately, uh, you're right. I love the medium. I think uh, it's one of the best mediums in entertainment um, for what you can do. Uh, I wish, um, you know, CBS and, you know, Paramount and and Warner Brothers, I know they have DC, uh, but I really wish they would invest more in developing comic books, not just developing thank TV you. shows.
0: Oh, d- yes, yeah. thank you. I, I mean, I'm a two second rant. DC fandom. Two pieces of information about comic books themselves, and they were all flashes, like news flashes. There was no spotlight on anything at all, and uh, I'm glad you bring that up because it really there needs to be more focus on DC comics because. I mean, if you were to look at my wall here, I mean, a lot of it's DC for the most part because this they are putting out amazing stuff, man. It's and uh, and your name is a tied to so much of it, Darren or uh, uh, David. I, I combined your names to get Darren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm excited, Jesus. Um, you know, before we started this, I have the CLZ app, and I was like, yeah, oh, I, I know this guy's put out some stuff. I was looking at your um what 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 have you done on the internet and it's just never ending every time I went to another page I was like oh there's like 20 more things that the last thing didn't have Mm -hmm. Um, my point to this being I went into the CLZ app and that's how I found this um in there because I I saw that you had written something else and I thought okay stained where have I seen this before I know there's been this book in my house where have I seen this so I went into my inventory okay it's not there so I I kind of diverted away went into the CLZ app and I thought, I want to know how many books of David Barron's I actually have. I went in there, it's at 64, by the way, 64 books registered in the CLZ app that your name's tied to at least that the CLZ app has correct. But I saw, them, and I was like, they're stained. So I went in there and I pulled it out and in the app, it actually shows it as the blank cover. I'm like, I don't remember seeing this. And I got the nerd block here. And, uh, man, um, <laughs> I, I, I just, Once again, just geeking out as a collector, how it all kind of circled back around. Just seeing you you have such this huge, huge index of what you've done. Um, Now, I, I have to just I know that you're pressed for time here, but one nerdy question, and I want to. This is going to set a standard for any aspiring colorist out there you do a lot of stuff, man. What is your page rate per day? Like, what do you, cause I mean, you, you, you have your name on everything. Like h- how fast are you working now after been doing this for as long as you have?
1: That's, that's a, that's a good question. So um, you can talk to my friend, Alan Pasolacqua, who's also a colorist. Um, and he, he says by far I'm the fastest colorist that he knows um, that I'm that when I really want to go, uh, I, I make my decisions quicker than anybody else. And the way I go through, but with that said, uh, I'm definitely slowing down as I get older. Uh, Naturally. uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it is one of those funny things that I told, I was talking to Alan not too long ago and I told him, I go, man, I'm not as fast as I used to be. Now I, if I have to really, you know, get something done um, you know, it it, it can happen. Uh, I have done amazing work in two minutes. And I've done um, horrible work in four hours. Mm. Um, in comics, it's all about the process, who you're working with, what is entailed. Um, I once found uh, someone who did a circle and black ink all around. And that's, that was the opening page of the book. And he told me it took him all day. And, and I was like, why? And he goes, because he kept second guessing if there was a better way to do this page, even mm. though what the description was, he was, as he's working, he's wondering if, if he can do it a different way. And so that's kind of how comics work. You're, you're, you're looking to always be your best. And, um, so I slowed down a lot. I would say on average, if I've worked with this artist before, uh, on a full, full day, um, Uh, I could probably do three pages a day and be happy. Um, if I was forced to do more, you know, like I said, it's, it's what, where you're at, you know, you can always do less and you always do more. Um, obviously what people, uh, fail to realize sometimes, especially artists that I talk to, it's always funny when they're like, Oh, take your time, take your time. And I'm always like, if I take any more time, I will be broke and not have food on my table. Mm -hmm. You know I There is is such a thing of you have to, you know, get work done. And I would probably say that most colorists must complete two pages a day uh, if they're going to have any type of decent living. Uh, But in reality, if you want to make a great living, you probably want to do four pages a day uh, as a color artist. Um, But with that said, uh, you know, I, I fluctuate. And, uh, I, I have, uh, diversified into other areas. Uh, so I don't just, um, uh, you know, color anymore. Uh, so there's other, other things that I do in terms of design, uh, terms like work with a soccer club doing design work. Uh, I coach soccer at a high school. Uh, I work with my wife on, uh, many other things, uh, with her, uh, business. Uh, She's a teacher, uh, but she runs all the activities at, at a, local high school, um, a different high school than I coach at, uh, funny enough. And then, um, so there's all these different things because again, I'm not a young colorist anymore or a young creator. Uh, it's, uh, one of those things that, uh, uh, I've learned to kind of adjust as time goes. But, uh, when I was young, uh, I once had to do a 48 page book. I got the pages on Friday and I had to deliver them on Monday
0: jesus christ dude yeah see okay i I won't tell you
1: which one because i don't want people to like it oh yeah it shows you know because that's the whole secret (laughs) the whole secret is trying to let you know you know that you know not let you know which ones we have to kind of rush through and which ones we don't uh that's kind of the secret to make it uh you know you pull some punches here and there but in reality still give you you know what we needed and that was that was a long time ago but yeah so i've done um I think the, I think the record was like 24 pages in one day.
0: You're a monster. That's yeah. insane. And, and it was just a
1: very mainstream, big book too. Like it wasn't, and that was just part of the process back then. Like yeah. it was, not, you know, divine right. a number one, the Jim Lee book, um, the first eight pages I think took, you know, like five months, uh, to do just because of Jim's work. And then I think, uh, the last and, and he, he, he obviously he knows better because my memory fades me on this project a little bit, but I think he did the last, uh, what would that be? 14 pages of divine right in like a day and a half. And he mm-hmm. did them on smaller pages. So instead of the full 11 by 17, he did them smaller, like comic book size. Uh, and I remember people running up to his house, uh, cause he was working at home, you know, grabbing the pages as they were done, bringing them back to Wildstorm down the hill, we'd scan them, we'd color them, we'd film it, you know, letter it all in house. And then uh, at that 5am, you know, it had to go to the printer to, you know, be shipped on time. Um, So there's, you know, there's all these stories in so many different, you know, um, you know, studios. So but yeah, no, it definitely ranges. The biggest thing, though, especially modern day comics, the mantra is make comics that you want to read. Yes. Uh, I mean, that is the mantra. So anything that I'm part of, uh, or my part of it is always something that I want. Obviously if I'm working with DC, some of it's out of my control, but ultimately what I do on my end is, uh, to a level that I would want another professional to do on their end. If I was going to purchase or read it.
0: Uh, wise, wise words, man, David, I'm, uh, I'm blown away by all, I, I, I love this, this last hour of my life. And I know I've kept you longer than I could. I'm going to count on the fact that um we, uh we get to do this again, because I've got an entire notepad here that I haven't even got to pertaining to <laughs> your, your amazing, amazing career, man. So I'm not going to keep you any longer, but I'm going to make sure the listeners know they need to check out the Cobblestone Chronicles. Um, even if, if you don't have kids or whatever, you know, somebody with a kid, um that this book needs to be ingested i mean it it really is something special here i i I mean i've got my eye on a new artist now um i i probably i i have a bunch of rick and morty so i probably have some of her work
1: she she's a gallery artist this is actually her first comic book ever
0: oh really okay Mm -hmm. shit uh she, Dude, that's a whole other thing that up. we could
1: talk about. Oh man. Yeah. She did a pin up. You should have her on. Uh she's 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 great. She's a great guest, but she did a pin up and chew uh for John Lehman. Oh. And uh and that was about it. That's the only thing that she's ever done. And then uh Uh, but she's a gallery artist who works, uh, who's done work for Rick and Morty, who's done stuff for WWE, who's done stuff for, or, um, uh, I can't even name all of them, but she did like Cobra Kai stuff. Oh shit. Yeah. She, she did a lot of different things, but yeah, no, she is, she's a phenomenal designer, uh, an artist who, uh, is currently working. Uh, I think, um, I I think it's lucky, but it's the Willie Nelson company. So like. Yeah. I mean, and she's great. She, she's, she's yeah, young and full of energy uh, and, and hits on all cylinders. Uh, I'm so happy that she finally, um, you know, has done a graphic novel and I'm glad it's with me and I'm glad it's yes. Cobblestone and she's working on the second book right now. The Cobblestone Chronicles is a trilogy.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and, and then it will branch off on that. It's a planned trilogy, but then it'll branch off, you know, more. We don't plan to end it. It's uh, very much in the same scope as diary, of wimpy kid, dog, man, um a captain underpants where you know we're just checking check, we're just check, looking to check. Go. yep we're just looking <laughs> to go and, and it's so much fun that i don't see us stopping anytime soon
0: oh that makes me so excited david i mean i you, you've dropped all these hints about all the stuff to come in 2022 and all this other stuff i i really i am counting on the fact that we, we will be talking at some point again in the future i have enjoyed every moment of this man i i do have a million nerdy questions i wanted to keep it professional the first time uh <laughs> but uh really um I, thank you so much um and I, I would i could say you know ask you what your social media handles are but they could just type in david ba and google will probably just auto-fill their algorithms and take them straight to you yeah i but, mean
1: you can go you can go to my website davidbarron.co Okay. And uh, davidbaron.co, you can, you know, you talked about my list of work. You can go to my about page, and in my about page, there's actually a drop down menu, um, you know, to take a look at all those pages. But yeah, davidbaron.co is the best way, and, and you'll find everything, including the Kickstarter.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome well uh thank you for not kicking me off and letting me nerd out just a little bit longer brother uh we i i I very much looking i I am looking forward to our next uh, Not, not just our next chat our next chat more so because that means that there's something new coming and that's really what i'm looking forward to from you i mean you you have a fan on a whole nother level now because i just ingested stained and jesus now i gotta track down the those other four issues brilliant man i love it um Yeah, a forever fan here. Uh, I'm going to let you get back to it now. And uh, uh, you stay safe, brother. We'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. Cheers.
0: Cheers. I'd like to remind you about a book that I've spoken highly of uh, in the past on this show before. And that's Unicorn Vampire Hunter. Uh, Kayla Palmquist has been on the show a couple of times now. And, um, my my little seven-year-old, my seven-year-old girl, she is a massive fan of Unicorn Vampire Hunter, and guess what? Well, I'm sure you could guess. It's back. It's back on Kickstarter, so if you go on over to UnicornVampireHunter.com, and, uh, you're gonna wanna back this book, people, whether you have kids or not. (laughs) It's it's just a fun story, and, you know, I uh, normally would have Caleb on to talk about it, but you know, I'm scheduling stuff happened, and I wasn't gonna not uh, have this this book be spouted about from the rooftops. So, uh, yeah, metaphorically speaking, of course. So head on over to unicornvampirehunter.com and uh, find out what it's all about, man. Um, it's 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 all in the title. It's a thing of beauty, and uh, yeah, I, I, just, I, I just it's one of those books that. I, I can't not recommend, and especially if you've got youngsters. Mine, mine, she's addicted. She's addicted. So once again, head on over to UnicornVampireHunter.com and get you uh, get you some of this Caleb Palmquist goodness. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parley of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607podcastinfo, and parlaypoints points. Our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcasts. Well, there you have it. Another episode in the books. Another legendary creator, Hall of Fame, surefire, first ballot color artist slash comic book creator, David Barron In the books, episode three hundred and sixty. Gotta say, this was a real treat, and um, I, I I can't thank my uh, my buddy Ryland Grant enough for for helping to set this up and make this happen because this was a. This was a treat, and uh, I really do. I got a whole... I know there's a lot of people out there. I know if I were listening to this, I'm like, ah, oh, you should, I would have asked him this, I would have asked him that, I would have asked him this. And believe me, I got a whole list of those questions here, baby. It's just a, it was a it was a time-constraint situation, but there will be more. Oh, yes, there will be more David Barron on the Cheers to Comics podcast. Um, come on, guys. Batman Who Laughs? I didn't even get to talk about that. That's my shit. Um, so, all right. Uh, yeah amazing um i gotta remind you to head on over to 307 nerdsforever.com use code cheers at checkout save yourself 10 percent um and then always always shop cheers to comics.com always from here on out hasn't always been always you know on account it's brand new but shop cheers to comics.com or just cheers to comics.com you'll see the little store button uh, cheers to comics.com really is your ultimate directory for all things content related to this show Um, so yeah, head on over, do that. Make sure you head on over to Podchaser, leave all of the reviews that you can, podchaser.com, search Cheers to Comics, or just, uh, click on the hashtag the Apocalypse list in their lists menu, and you'll see, um, the Cheers to Comics podcast along with a list of, oh, an abundant list of other amazing podcasts for you to get addicted to, so... Um, just follow hashtag the apocalypse. It's like The Apocalypse, but with a D. Alright. And, uh, of course, leave the reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as well. Extremely, extremely helpful to the growth of this show. Um, yeah. Alright, people. Uh, that, that gonna do it for this one. I will talk to you the next time there's things about comics to talk about. In the meantime, I command that you stay safe And always read responsibly. Cheers, you fuckers. Ryan Wayne here, co-curator of the Apotalypse. And I know that sounds gnarly. That's because it is gnarly, man. The Apotalypse. What is the Apotalypse? The Apotalypse is a... Uh Culmination of the gnarliest podcast, independent podcasts the internet has to offer. So instead of trying to go to Twitter the next time you uh, need a new podcast to listen to and try to get Twitter famous, podcast recommendations, please. Just think the Apocalypse, man. And it's ironic because the Apocalypse is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Just go to podchaser.com. It's it's in the top list. The top list in the whole world. So whether you're looking for true crime, sports, Uh, role-playing, uh, I don't know, anything, anything. Think of a podcast. It's on the Apocalypse. It's like the Apocalypse with a D. Hmm. And do not forget to follow the Apocalypse on Twitter as well. Once again, that is the Apocalypse. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, the Apocalypse is sure to have something for you. Good morning. Brian Wayne here to tell you about my new podcast, The Real Brains. The Real Brains Podcast is a show coming out daily, dedicated to the everyday struggle of just the average human being. From troubles with rage to uh, anecdotes about uh, very strange human interactions, this podcast really is just a, uh, somebody that's all too familiar with the struggle, I'm here to let you know that you are not alone, so come laugh at uh, our pain, together, every single weekday every place you can catch a podcast check out the real brains with brian wayne remember stay sane
1: hey what's up everybody this is joey calvez i want to tell you guys a little bit about the department of metahuman affairs this one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick two felons a failed actor from broadway and a reprogrammed cyborg